Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And yes, I'm so glad that you are here today. And my friends, I've got some great news to share with you. I'm holding in my hands the register of deeds that shows that the 14.5 acres has officially been paid off and now registered with the county as officially belonging to SBI and not a penny is owed on it. Praise God. And the sellers have signed off with all of their signatures. It's all notarized and stamped and loaded up to the official uh, county documents. And my friends, this is the uh, hard copy right here. And uh, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that sewed into the Field of Dreams project during the Feast of Tabernacles, and all of the money came in to pay the land off completely, and it is now actually completely official because we have the certificate of deed right here, the title deed. Glory, glory to Jesus. Why don't you just lift your hands just for a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, you did it. Woo, praise God. And I want to say thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit. So many of you, you sowed your best seed, and I'm praying over your harvest. Keep your spiritual antennas up because your harvest is coming in. Ooh, and you're going to catch it, and it's going to be good. Praise the Lord. All right, so we praise God that the land is debt-free to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to go to the book of John, chapter 12. Let's receive the tithes and offerings. I believe that God is bringing you into complete freedom from debt. All bills paid, all debts paid down, paid off, and gone to the glory of God and freedom in Jesus in every, in every facet of our life. Now, John chapter 12, verse 2 there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Now, I want you to watch very carefully what Simon, uh, excuse me, Simon's son, Judas, watch what Judas is going to say under the influence of Satan. He's going to say something that shockingly enough comes out of the mouth of many Christians. And when they say it, they actually think they're quoting something that God said. They don't realize they're actually quoting something that Judas, the thief said, Look at this. He said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Wow. In other words, Judas is saying, why was this wasted? Why was this a waste? You know, I want to ask you a question, and in the privacy of where you're at right now, I want you to think about how you would answer this question. Here's the question. What's more important, ministry or helping the poor? Now, I know in the days 
American culture with a heavy emphasis on social justice. And we do want to see social justice where everybody's treated right with dignity and respect. But actually, in the eyes of God, though, what's more important, the work of the ministry or helping the poor? Well, many people, even many Christians would say helping the poor is like a more noble thing. But consider this. It really is amazing it, when you look into it, how many full-time preachers were at one time in the medical field. And some were actually full-time practicing medical doctors, having gone through, you know, all of the college and upper-level college and medical training, and then 12 years later in the medical field, and then have God call them out of that and preach the gospel. I think about uh, the founder of Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, who went home to be with the Lord uh, just not, not too long back, a few months back, but he said that he was going to be a medical doctor and he was heading into that specific field of, uh, of career training and long preparation. When the Lord spoke to him and said, if you become a doctor and you treat patients through medical science, you could extend their life 20 or 30 years but they're still going to die. But if you become a preacher, which is what I want you to do, and you preach the gospel to them and they receive Christ, then they are prepared to step into eternity. Now think about that, because the last time I checked, the mortality rate of humans is still 100%. So unless maybe you've got a special thing going on with Elijah or uh, Enoch or something like that, <laughs> which you probably don't, then we all go that same route, which is what? We're all eventually going to die unless, you know, the Lord comes along and interrupts that and returns within our generation. But my friends, nevertheless, people die every single day as they get older and they complete their life. So what, what really is more important, ministry or helping the poor? Because if you help the poor, which is a wonderful thing to do, and Scripture encourages us to do that, but you give them food, you give them clothing, and all this and all of that, but they never know Jesus. We're just doing good social justice works because we want to alleviate a person's difficulties, but we never preach the gospel to the person. And then they die in their sins, and then they're separated from God for all eternity. So what's more important, ministry or helping the poor? Now, we are going to help the poor. This ministry does that. But the number one importance is ministry. Now, are you ready for this? I want to go a little bit further. What's more important, the minister or helping the poor? And here is where we hear the words of Judas. Why was that poured on Jesus. What a waste that could have been sold and given to the poor. Wow. What is Judas doing? Well, first of all, he's upset because he can't get his hands on what could have been cashed out and converted into coinage. And then he could have taken some of it and put it in his pockets because he was a thief and, the, uh, and Jesus knew that. So he's upset about that. But the, what is actually going on, if you look more closely, is that Judas is basically saying that who Jesus is and the work that he's doing has no value to me. It has no value. Why, why this waste? Well, well, hold on a minute. You're saying that Jesus and what he's doing, that's just a waste? 
Mm, very, very interesting. You know, this woman was ministering to the needs of Jesus and was refreshing him and blessing him. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to pay the sin debt for all humanity, for whoever would put their trust in him. Can we give him a little bit of a blessing? At least a little bit. How about a big one? He deserves a big blessing. Even scripture says that the elders who labor in the, in word and in teaching should receive double honor. Praise God. That, that's like a double blessing that can be given and released. You know, when I was a young man in my twenties, one of the elders called all the men of the church together for a meeting after the church service was over. And uh, he said, men, we need to talk. And the pastor was not in the meeting, but the pastor uh, didn't really know what was going on, but he trusted the elder. And the elder said, I need to talk with the men about something. And the pastor said, okay, go ahead. And so we all go into the room. Now I'm in my early twenties and the elder begins to talk. Now, the first thing he said, he said, everybody in here, listen to me, except for Stephen. He said, Stephen, you're still young. Uh, at this time, we know that you don't have a job. So much of a, what I'm about to say, you are exempt from. But then he looked at everybody else, but he said, none of the rest of you are. Wow. Well, I kind of felt kind of good, but I was still wondering what was he going to say. And he said, men, he said, we all are in the prime of our careers. We all are doing well. And he said, many of you are driving really nice cars and you're making good money. And he said, I'm very happy about that. But he said, this is not right that our pastor drives around this little bitty old used wore out car with bald tires while we sit here with such comfort, with good jobs, luxury cars. And there were, there were people there that had really nice Lexus and Jaguars and stuff like that. And the pastor had this little bitty car where the only positive about it was that it probably got 50 miles to the gallon. But wow, if he ever would have had an accident in that, it'd have been like him driving in the equivalent of a sardine can. He would have gotten crushed. And the elder, I still remember his name, uh, Elder Mack. He said, men, this is not right, and we're going to do something about it today. He said, I am going to receive an offering. We're going to put our pastor in a good vehicle. He said, what in the world must people think when our pastor pulls up to conduct a wedding in that car? What do people think about us when our pastor pulls up to the hospital to pray for the sick in that broken down little old car? He said, this is not right. He said, I can't tolerate it anymore. And all of the men were touched by the words of Elder Mack. And before long, the pastor had a beautiful Volvo. Now, it was not new, but it was almost new. And would you believe that there was a man in that meeting that owned a car dealership, a used car dealership, and all of his cars were European cars. And uh, this was before there were really like low profile tires and the wider type rims. But I tell you, he had the meanest, we got him the meanest looking Volvo because I rode in it with him as we would go to revival meetings. He would always take me along with him. And that was the meanest looking Volvo you'd ever seen because it had low profile tires. and They were really wide. They were like 20 inch, which at that time, uh, back in the nineties, that was like almost unheard of, like 20 inch tires. And it was, it was a game changer. Well, Pastor Stephen, why does a man of God need that? 
How come he just didn't ride uh, in that old used car? Because there is something about refreshing the minister. That woman poured that fragrant oil on the Lord and it refreshed him. Let me say that ministry has many challenges and you can go to a restaurant. If you are a uh, EMT emergency medical responder, or if you're a policeman or if you're a school teacher, if you're almost anybody, you can get a discount, but there's never ever any discount ever for a preacher <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> nowhere. And, uh, and I don't, I don't go around asking for one either, but I am saying that this is really amazing that I've heard out of the mouths of Christians. Sometimes preachers don't need to have money. Wow. That's a very interesting statement that like they're exempt, exempt somehow from being human. Wow. They don't realize that when they look at a man of God, or a woman of God, and they say they shouldn't drive a nice car. That, in essence, they're saying that what they do, which is the most important thing there is, what they actually do holds no value to them. Mm -mm. See, they don't criticize the CEO of a corporation that maybe sells uh, sugar water, like soda. They don't criticize him if he has a luxury car, or even flies a jet. They think that's fine. But if a preacher has a good, reliable, nice vehicle, they think, oh, that's, that's not right. And it's also not right that he has a home. He should just have something very humble. And they think we should now just give it all to the poor instead. What's going on? They don't understand the value of the eternal gospel. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. And you know what? You might have many around you that don't get it, but you can, even if I'm not your pastor in the sense that maybe you're watching this message because perhaps you were intrigued by the title and you thought you'd just check it out. And here you are. Maybe you go to church somewhere else and you have your own pastor and you're just visiting. That's totally cool. Totally fine. I understand that. But I'm, I'm here to say that you can be the one that when your pastor has a birthday or his wife has a birthday, because pastor's wives, they really can get the short end of the stick because they're almost like invisible to people. Sometimes they, they don't receive the love and attention that they need, but you can be the one that if there's a pastor uh, birthday or his wife's birth, birthday or pastor appreciation day, that you are there, maybe not breaking an alabaster box that's worth uh, $70,000, but you are, you are coming in there with something special that does what that refreshes that says, I honor what you're doing because this is the most important thing on the earth, which is what preaching the gospel. How does God do it? Well, he can work through the whole body, but he gave gifts unto men, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. An evangelist can get more people saved than a lay person uh, can do in a hundred years of passing out tracts and talking to people. Uh, an evangelist it has supernatural equipment to win the lost. And my primary calling is to the body of Christ to build those up that are already in the faith. But we still catch quite a few. Amen. Because we're throwing a big net. Praise God. But my friends, be a blessing to the man or woman of God in your life. And understand that while we want to help the poor, and as Jesus said, you can do them good anytime. But you know what? Understand divine priority. That eternity 
is before us. And the most important thing we do is get the gospel to people. Put your money into the gospel. And then when you want to be a blessing, you want to be a blessing to help the poor, go right ahead. Amen. But keep the focus where God keeps the focus. I know that's very uh, antithesis of the way modern culture thinks, but that's okay because I don't expect them to understand it. You know, a sinner can look at a minister who is using a jet plane to preach the gospel and is flying. I mean, maybe flying 400, 500 hours a year to do nothing but go preach meetings. And a sinner will look at that and say, what a complete waste. What a waste of money. But yet, if Jeffrey Epstein gets on his private jet and flies to an island to rape little girls, they don't say anything. They think that's totally normal. If Bill Gates gets on his jet and uh, all these others, get, and they go down there too and do, and do all this, whatever they're doing down there before that all blew up. No, they don't say anything. They think that's okay for them to do their little things and do whatever they do. But if a holy man or holy woman uses a vehicle, to go and preach the gospel and get people into heaven for all eternity. What do they call it? They call it a waste and they think they're being conservative. No, it's the voice of Judas. It is the voice of Judas who said, what a waste. What are they saying? That what we're doing, what I'm doing holds no value in their eyes. Mm. Woo. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I stand with Jesus. Please do the same thing. Jesus said, leave her alone. Woo. Woo. Glory to God. Glory. Glory to God. Amen. I see people under the sun. They'll give to anything and everything, usually to appease their conscience, a self-righteous conscience, but they'll never, ever give to the gospel. Why? Because, because you have to see it spiritually. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I know you do. Father, bless your people as they honor you today with the tithe, 10% of their increase, of their income, which belongs to you. And as they give offerings, as your Holy Spirit leads, I thank you, Father God, that they'll always be the one who, when others don't see it, who would even others would use the tongue of Judas, even against their own pastor, They'll see the value of the eternal gospel. They'll see the value of ministry. They'll see the value of the minister. And they will be the ones that establish memorials for all time uh, through their giving. Father, bless them. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Woo. Amen. Well, I'd like to pull some of you into some new territory. I'm not, and I'm not saying this for my sake, but I, I just remember one time going over to it when I was younger, going over to a, a minister's house and he had a brand new red sports car sitting in the parking lot. I said, Hey, I like your car. He said, thank you. He said one of my ministry partners just bought that for me, paid cash for it and gave it to me. I said, well, glory to God. That's amazing. What does that mean? That means a businessman was blessed out of his overflow. He said, I'm not only going to bless the ministry. I'm going to bless what the minister. Woo! It takes spiritual sensitivity to see that praise God. 
Glory, glory to God. Amen. By the way, little side note before we jump into the message. Uh, Brother Mac, who called that meeting together, he was a good man. But as the Lord is my witness, and I saw him many times before and uh, endeavored to do it, he could not teach the Bible. Now, if called upon to do it, he could try to follow the Sunday school notes and teach the men's Bible, but there was zero anointing on it. But I must say that after he rose up and called that meeting and blessed the pastor uh, with that beautiful vehicle, and he was the man that God worked through, I'll tell you what, he after that somehow could teach the Word of God uh, on a very anointed level. I mean, it could just flow out of him and it was anointed and he never, ever had that before. Mm, mm, mm. There's something that makes God happy. There's something that makes God happy. And that's when we work with him concerning his principles and his ways of going with the right kingdom flow. Praise God. Father, I speak blessing Increase over the finances of your people in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, if you want to give online, it's very safe, very secure. Praise the Lord. Go to stephenbrooks.org. Look up at the top. There's a header that says give online. You can click that. That's the giving page. And there's a little drop down link on that page. There's the area for the tithe. Then there's different areas for offerings that you can give into and give as the Holy Spirit is leading you. Amen. Woo. Praise God. I see Jesus standing up for you. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Praise God. Amen. You're going to give a large offering into the work of God. And maybe, maybe somebody heard about it or found out about it. Maybe even your tax accountant found out about it and said, what did you do that for? What'd you give all that money to that preacher for? And uh, Jesus will stand up for you and will say, leave her alone. Leave him alone. Oh, praise God. Don't expect them to understand it because if they're not born again, they're certainly not going to, but you know, you know how the system works. God's holy, holy system. Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now let's take our Bibles today and go to Jeremiah chapter one. I want to talk about vision and divine guidance. Heavenly father, as we explore your word today, we ask that through your Holy spirit, we can make some great discoveries. We thank you, father God, just as our ship sails out of the Harbor, let us bring back uh, treasures of revelation from today's message in Jesus name. We all agree and say, amen. Praise God. Now we're talking today about vision and divine guidance. Let me begin by saying that a true vision is the unfolding of divine plan and purpose. I'm talking about divine. I mean, God's God's plan and purpose for your life. Everyone is created to fulfill a purpose here on earth. Just as every manufacturer creates a product specifically to fulfill a purpose. Now, God did not create anybody to be 
a failure. God did not create anybody to be poor or to be sick. God did not say, you know what? I tell you what angels, this one right here. I want this one to uh, be rich. And this one over here, I want this one all their lives to be stuck in poverty and, uh, and then die of starvation. No, that's not God's plan. God's got a good vision and plan for every single person. And that plan is like a manufacturer who creates a product specifically to fulfill a purpose. Now it's a discovery of that purpose for which you are created. That is called vision. Mm -mm. God has a unique vision for every single person listening and watching me today. Here we see in the book of Jeremiah, a great example concerning the life of Jeremiah. Chapter one, verse five, before I formed you in the womb. Wow. So that's going back even before he were to pop out, even before he was formed in his mother's womb, he said, I knew you. And you know what? He knew you too. He knew not only Jeremiah before he was formed, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. By the way, that's why also abortion is murder. Praise God. And if you have committed that act, I do not speak condemnation or judgment, but you must repent. And if you will come to Jesus, he will forgive you and wash you clean with his blood. But you must make that right with God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Woo, praise God. So we see a specific plan or the vision that God had for Jeremiah. And it was not just to be a localized prophet or maybe even a regional type prophet, but to be a prophet to the nations. Now, God also had, <coughs> excuse me, a specialized purpose for the Apostle Paul. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 1 and meet me now in verse 15. Verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Oh, so before Paul ever popped out of his mother's womb, God's already got his life planned out, mapped out that Paul's going to be a preacher. Well, pastor Stephen, I want to be a dentist. Well, pastor Stephen, I want to be an astronaut. Well, what you want to do is do what God has planned for you to do. Woo. Thank you, Lord Jesus for Jeremiah. That was to be an international prophet for Paul. It was to be a preacher, even to those in various nations. So you also just like these two men, you have a very unique purpose for being here on the earth. And there's a lot of struggle. Oh, a whole lot of struggle when you don't know what God's plan is for your life. And the reason for this struggle is quite simply because you are designed to perform best at the assignment you were created for just as any product can only function best when it's used for what it was designed for praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now 
the quality of how well you pursue your God-given vision and how well you ultimately complete your destiny comes down to a function of the quality of divine guidance that you are exposed to in your life. Mm. See, this is what vision does. It shows you the promised land. It allows you to see your purpose. And now you know why you're here on the earth. You have vision, not all of it, but you do know the primary thrust of it. But divine guidance is what enables you to arrive, not just see it, but to arrive in your Canaan land. Mm -mm. Not just to look around, <laughs> but to conquer and to enjoy. Now check this out in the book of Exodus chapter 13. Let's go to verse 17. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So God led them. God led them. And since it is God who is our maker, our creator, he's the one who made us and not we ourselves. It is therefore essential that we look to him to show us the way of how we can fulfill the vision that he has revealed to us. Now, some of you, you still don't know that much about your vision, but after this teaching, it's going to begin to open up and you're not only going to catch pieces of it. You'll catch the primary thrust of it for Jeremiah. It was a prophet for Paul. It's an apostle to the nations, but you get that you get the main thrust of it, but then you pick up other important uh, visionary aspects of it along the way. But as well, it's hearing divine guidance that'll get you to the finish line and hear, well done. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, until you are guided by the Holy Spirit, who knows the way to go, the truth, the jolting truth is that your life purpose may never be realized. And this is a very real potential threat here. That without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, your life purpose may never be realized. We see this in Proverbs chapter 14, kind of a sobering verse, that's for sure. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, the devil oftentimes targets preachers, kids specifically that could have potential to walk in great levels of anointing. And sometimes maybe they were raised in church. They had a musical background, the musical gift. And so the devil works through the world system to pull them into the world and offers them fame and fortune, but they have to compromise. They have to sing songs that are full of lust and full of sin and full of immorality. And they have to uh, go about that way of representing uh, that which the world glorifies. And it might seem good, but I tell you what, look at how many people it ended 
in total disaster for. Uh, you think about people like Elvis, uh, who was just addicted to drugs. And the, let's be honest, Elvis had a great voice, but there's many people that have great voices. The thing that made him famous was he was willing to do something for the devil that no person up to that point had been willing to do. And that's, that was to gyrate those hips. And there was so much gyration going on that uh, uh, for a while, the, the TV cameras would not show anything above his waistline. Why? He was turning those hips. <laughs> and of course, because it had never really been seen like the way he was doing it before, it caused a lot of commotion amongst all the young female girls, and, uh, but it propelled him to stardom and fame. But at what cost where you sell your soul to do things like that solely so that you're worshipped as a, like some kind of a sexual idol, and then you die choking on your vomit? Mm. And so the man that sang the song, I did it my way, yeah, you did. And you died in your sins and you went to hell or you did your own thing as a Christian. Jesus was your savior, but that Jesus as your Lord thing uh, only after you get your things and then you'll do some things for God, but only after you put all of your self interest first. So there is a way that seems right to a man, but his end is the way of death. And in a sense to push down on this with a double emphasis, we see it repeated almost word for word in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, people keep getting frustrated in the pursuit of vision unless that person is able to pick up on divine guidance. Divine guidance by the Holy Spirit takes you into a comfortable journey of life. Now there are areas of timing. We'll talk about that soon in the near future. But the main thing is to catch the accurate vision and do what God wants you to do and then pick up on those divine signals so that you can reach that land. And I tell you what, don't be surprised if you're the happiest person around because it's a lot of joy and knowing that you're on task on assignment doing exactly what God has called you to do. There are many people that are doing things that God has not called them to do in the body of Christ. And it says in scripture that their works on that day of judgment will be burned up. And even if they're good works, they will be burned up in a sense where there's no reward for that. Why? Because even if somebody else benefited from that work, but you did that work uh, in a sense, maybe with wrong motives, or maybe you did it and God never assigned you to do it, but you did it anyhow. God cannot honor and reward disobedience. I cannot go out and start selling Apple laptops and Apple iPads and then rush off the, uh, the California and show up to their corporate headquarters and say, you need to pay me a salary because I just sold 20 laptops for you. They'd be like, well, we, we never told you to do that. Well, I did it anyhow. You need to reimburse me and pay me. They're like, uh, we're not paying you anything. We never authorized you to do that. We never told you to do that. You did that on your own initiative. So you have to understand you want to follow divine guidance. Praise the Lord. We see this also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. While very short and simple, nevertheless, very profound. For we walk by faith, not 
by sight. And if you get into that area where you have to have all of that sight and everything analyzed and intellectually scrutinized. And I'm, I don't mean that we leave our brain at the door and we don't use our intellect, but if you let that dominate, uh, then you can miss the right vision. You could go off in a different direction and the further and further you get off, uh, off course, you may start off just a little bit off, but the further out you get, you get way, way off. Praise God that you can still make the turn. You can still make the turn, but you don't want to waste any time or also energy. Not only that, so often wasted money and wasted finances as well. Praise God. Wasted emotional expenditure, all of these different types of things. Thank you, Jesus. So if you are determining the way to go solely by what you see, you are going to be greatly limited in life. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Gospel of John. John chapter 5 and verse, verse 30. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Here we have Jesus, the greatest leader ever to walk the face of the earth, Yet he's committed to following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Let us consider now how the Lord led the children of Israel through the wilderness to the promised land. Let's go back to the book of Exodus chapter 13 again. This time going down to verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day. In a pillar of cloud. So during the daytime, you've got the cloud coverage. So you have the pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from the people. So here we have supernatural guidance. And you have to, st you have to stay up. With that cloud and fire, because if you fall back and you lose that, you're in a mess real quick. During the daytime, there are temperatures in the Sinai that get over 120. No problem. Way over 120. But if you're underneath that cloud or that cloud's blocking out that sun, now what do you have? You have air conditioning. But if you lag behind and you're not walking with that flow and you're not picking up on divine signals, you could be under tremendous heat. And again, that's why many people are having sufferings in the body of Christ because they don't have that vision and they're not following that divine guidance. Mm -mm. So things can get real hot sometimes. Praise the Lord. But you've got air conditioning. And then at night in the wilderness where temperatures can drop, strangely enough, below freezing. So it can be 100 during the daytime and then night out in the desert it can get below freezing. So what do you have now? You have fire. So the cloud and the fire are both leading, but they're also providing what you need in life so that you can keep going forward in the right direction. Let us be very careful to keep pace with the moving of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He doesn't always move and he doesn't always give a release or an assignment to Take the next step. But when he does, we need to be willing to obey quickly 
and just start walking that out. Let's go now to the book of Numbers, chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9, and let's move over to verse 15. Woo! Revelation is flowing today. You're seeing some things right now. The vision that God has for your life is becoming crystallized, and you know your purpose for being here on the earth. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, from evening unto morning. It was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. What are these commands? They are divine signals. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you got to fast for 40 days to pick up on anything from God. I would present to you that because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you as a believer, picking up on it can be just as clear as seeing that cloud and seeing that fire. Now, it is internal, but it's just as clear and strong as seeing the external that they saw with their own physical eyes. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey. Whether by night, whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Now listen to this next statement. Verse 22, whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. Did you know that there could be times? Because we think 40 years. They were just, we think sometimes they were just moving all the time, moving all the time. But could you imagine there were times when the cloud didn't move for a year? And what do you do? Well, you don't really know when it's going to change. But God knows there are certain things you need. First of all, God's not going to wear you out and kill you. God knows that you need food. God also knows that the human physical body needs rest. Without sleep, the world becomes a very difficult, agonizing place to live in. And so God's not going to wear you out. But you know what? He's not going to let you get lethargic and uh, become too sedentary. So when that cloud moves, time to pack it all up. Let's get ready to go. Praise God. And off you go on another hike, another camping expedition. Praise the Lord. But there were long times, six months. We're here. Praise God. Let's, let's enjoy the landscape. Let's go hiking. <laughs> 
<laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But it's all different. You have different flows in life, different chapters in life. You can have super busy seasons in your life. But God also knows that there needs to be some breaks or else you're going to break down. So God leads you by the Holy Spirit so that you get it just right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. 23. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Praise God. Glory, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the Israelites only moved by divine signals. And here's what's amazing. They all moved and they all made it. Now there were those over a certain age that all died in the wilderness. Those were the ones that doubted God and didn't believe that he could get them into the promised land. So they died off, but all the others made it even after 40 years and over rough terrain and walking through all of that and seeing all of those amazing sights, they actually made it. So God is committed to guiding you if you are fully committed to following him. I'll tell you, he'll get you there. He'll get you to your promised land and he'll get you into it. Whoo, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, with the Lord Jesus, He will not force you in these areas of divine guidance. But through the Holy Spirit and through His Word, He will show you the right path. But God leaves it up to you and to myself to make the ultimate decision. Are we going to follow this leading of the Lord Look at this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Some of you need to get, get your hiking shoes on. I think you're about ready to break camp. Woo, praise the Lord. You're about ready to break camp and go out and hike. Maybe you've been in camp for a year. Maybe you haven't moved for three months, and that was all under divine signal. But for some of you, your quiet time is about over, and you're going to get into a busy season. And for some of you, maybe you have been in a busy season, and you need a break. God understands that too. We're all marching on divine signals. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. My friends, when you know the benefits of following Jesus, you'll be encouraged to make the right choice, which is the wise choice to go with him because he knows what's best for your life. Again, he's the creator. He is the manufacturer. He put the spiritual 
DNA encoding into you to accomplish and to do a specific thing. Praise the Lord. And when you catch that vision and then you begin to follow those divine signals, again, there is such happiness and peaceful fulfillment in your life. And not only that, you get to go to heaven to be with God for all eternity. Oh, praise God. One more scripture today, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 46, praise the Lord. Let's drop down to verse nine. Remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. If you believe that say amen. Declaring now watch, watch this, watch what God does declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. See, God is the only one that truly knows the end from the beginning. And since we don't have access to the end, then I highly suggest that we all get plugged in and stay plugged in into the one who does know it. Mm -mm. Only God knows the future. Now prophets could receive certain insight and things like that. And God does talk to his prophets about things to come, but only God knows the complete future. So when you follow him, you will end up accomplishing all that he's called you to do. Vision will be fulfilled. You will not only arrive at the Canaan land, you'll go into it and you'll conquer and you'll have great joy and happiness while you're doing it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, again, I think about, I've told this story often, but one of these dear women I knew, uh, she was in her eighties when I would have times of fellowship with her and her husband her name was Sister Maya, and she had a very powerful prophetic gift. And there were times when the Lord took her to heaven in visions and would show her things in heaven. She told me about the time that she saw her father in heaven and uh, her physical father who had died years or way before, you know, like 20 or 30 years earlier, uh, was there in heaven. And he said, hey, come with me. I want to show you where I live. And so along the journey through heaven, she sees these incredible mansions and she goes past them and she's seen the glory and the wonders of heaven. And she gets to where her dad lived at and they go inside and he's showing her around and stuff like that. And of course there to her surprise also was the family dog that she remembered when she was a little girl growing up. You know, of course the dog died many years later. There's a little dog running around uh, there in heaven inside her dad's house. And uh, she said, dad, um, this is all amazing. And I thank God that he's allowing me to have this moment. But, but, but dad, I've got to ask you a question. How come I see all these mansions? I see homes that go beyond the description of words. I can't even describe how beautiful they are. And how come, how come you have a little place like this? She told me it was like a, it's like he was living in like a town home. Now, of course, understand that a town home in heaven <laughs> will outdo just about anything on the earth, or if not everything on the earth, uh, because heaven, there's no sin, there's no darkness, there's no sadness. It's just, it's heaven because God's there. 
But she said, how come you have this little bitty place? And he said, Maya, he said, I never told you this while I was on the earth. But when I was on the earth, God called me to be a preacher. And I heard that calling. I knew God wanted me to do it. But for other reasons, because, you know, selfishness and things like that. He said, I didn't do it. So I never, I never fulfilled the vision that God had for me. I never did in my life what God wanted me to do. Now, of course, he was a Christian. He got saved. And, of course, he went to heaven. But he never did what God wanted him to do. And that is why he told Maya, that's why I've got this little bitty place. I've actually have heard preachers stand in pulpits and say, when we get to heaven, we'll all have the same rewards. We all share equally. We all share equally. Now, when I was younger and I heard that, I would think that doesn't sound right because if that's true, why would I try? Let somebody else do all the work. This sounds like socialism in heaven. Did Karl Marx make it to heaven? <laughs> Did Joseph Stalin, the mass murderer, make it to heaven? <laughs> no. There are totally different levels of reward. And those on the earth who were saved but they were disobedient, they will realize that God could not reward disobedience. And that's why many will get there having, having made it. Some having escaped as by fire by the skin of their teeth. At least, least they made it. Sure beats going to hell. <laughs> Praise God. But I'm talking to those today that you're not, you're not just trying to get in. You want in and you want the whole enchilada. Praise God. You want in. You want to take as many people with you as you can. And you want to accomplish what God has called you to do. And you're very, very serious about that. So those of you that are desiring clarity of vision and those of you that are desiring the accompanying divine guidance to carry the vision forward, lift your hands right now. Father, I pray for those that are watching that a fresh anointing of your spirit would fall now upon them, O God, in the name of Jesus, that this week be a week of breaking forth of vision and clarity, and they will know exactly what they're supposed to do, and you'll even speak it through others. Others will say, surely this is what God has called you to do. Wow, you really are good at this. Wow, what a special, uh, what a special grace that you have. Even others will confirm it of that area where your gift is at. Praise be unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, bless them with vision. And now let divine guidance be something that they lean on, knowing that we don't know the way to go in our own ability. We can never figure it out. We must walk with you and lean on you to lead us into this promised land. Father, we thank you that you are committed to guiding if we are committed to following. Now, Father, let the spirit of humility touch your people on their shoulders now where they will walk with confidence, but yet humility, knowing that they're being led by the spirit of God and they are relying upon that. Now, Father, we thank you. You're going to get us there. And everybody listening under the sound of my voice who is in agreement with this prayer, I say to you, God's going to get you there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Shout yes. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're getting a little Pentecostal today, aren't we? Amen. Praise God. 
Praise the Lord. And I don't say, by the way, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't say Pentecostal from the sense of just trying to be like denominational Pentecostal. But I would say that wherever you're at in the body of Christ, I'm not saying you got to be like in a charismatic Pentecostal type stream, but you better know the Holy Spirit. So I, I don't care where your camp is at in the body of Christ, but I'm telling you, you're going to need the Holy Spirit and you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in other tongues and pray out those divine mysteries through supernatural utterance. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory that, you know, the, the oil of joy is splashing on many, many, many of you today. Be happy in the spirit. The Lord says, yes, you can have it. Amen. Because the vision confirms it. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today and you really, you want this vision to be fulfilled, but you don't know Jesus, it all begins by knowing him. Everything that God has planned for you is wrapped up in the manufacturer, the handbook, everything, the blueprint, everything is in Jesus. You need to know Jesus. If you don't know him, I want to pray for you. If you used to serve the Lord, but you fell away, you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today. He'll wipe the slate clean, wipe all your sins away and you can get back on track. And there's still time when you can get accomplished what you're supposed to do, and you can garner from the wisdom of your mistakes and help others not to detour off that straight and narrow as well. Okay, let us pray together. Just say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You are the master creator. You are the, you are the creator of my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me now. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood and write my name in your book of life. Reveal your vision for your of, of my life. Reveal it to me, Lord Jesus. Show it to me. Thank you. Lead me. Step into my life today and lead me and guide me in all that I do by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for restoring me and making me whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. The burden is gone. The sin is gone. You're on the right path. You're on the right track. Point as many people as you can to Jesus. Amen. And so often you'll notice you only have to preach. Just shine. Just glow. Glow for the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, let's take Holy Communion today. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. If you are a Christian, you can take communion. Praise God. Grab a little wafer or a piece of bread, a little cracker, whatever you've got. Get some grape juice and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the, and the juice. We bless it right now through this prayer and we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that now it is. We thank you, Father, this is the body and the blood of Jesus. We, we look at it, we still see a little cracker and, a, and some grape juice, but it's, it's the body and the blood veiled under the form of bread and juice. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, the mystical body of Christ, help us not only to be on the vision, but to encourage others who might be floundering, wasting time, being distracted by crazy stuff. Lord, help us in love to pull them along, pull them along into this flow of your spirit.
we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for keeping us on track. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together the Lord's body. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for a shield of the blood of Jesus all around us, over us, beneath us. The blood over our minds, cleansing all memories, cleansing our thought life. We thank you, Father, that we belong to you, spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, Father, for the blood, the hedge of protection of the Lord Jesus' blood. We thank you, Father, we are saved. We are saved through the blood that cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, O God. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's receive together. Praise the Lord. Glory. Lift your hands. Father, I speak blessing over your people as they go forward this week. This is a week of breaking forth of great clarity of vision. Father, I pray for anybody who has not written down their vision in a simple three-sentence, no longer than a three-sentence statement. I pray that they would do so and that they could have it written so that they could run with it. And even others that would like to understand what they're up to, they can understand it too by just reading that little vision written out so clearly and succinctly. Father, bless them. We thank you for clarity of vision, and we thank you for the inner witness of your Holy Spirit. Father, we no longer have the, the cloud and the fire to lead us through the day and night. We have something even better, a personal experience of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. So, Father, we just thank you for this. Bless your people. Strong, clear witness of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. We give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. I speak blessing over your people. Amen and amen. Go forth this week in the joy of the Lord. The path for you is shining brighter every single day. God bless you. See you back again real soon. Bye-bye.